morning. Praise the Lord. It's good to see you here this morning. How many of you made it through the ice and the, the blizzard of, I guess, January 2023? I don't say 2023. We may have another one. I hope not, but but we made it through it. Uh, we didn't have church Wednesday night, but we're here today. It was beautiful yesterday and, and melted everything away, cleared it all up. So we're, but we're glad you're here this morning, and uh, we're going to worship together. We're going to fellowship together. We're going to hear God's word this morning, and, and I believe God's going to move because no matter what the weather is outside, God's always here. We don't ever have to worry about him showing up. If he comes, by matter of fact, he promised us if two or more of us will be here, he'll be here. And there's quite a few more than two or more, so we believe he's going to move mightily this morning. Why don't we, uh, well, before I say that, be sure and get a bulletin. There's some things in it coming up. Uh, men's ministry, there's a, uh, yesterday was the Bible study. Uh, but there's other things coming up this week, men's ministry, uh, women's ministry, heart-to-heart, -heart, and um, prime timers and some other things that are coming up. So be sure and get a hold of that. We also still have tickets for the Valentine's Banquet out there if you need to purchase yours. And uh, we're going to have a good time. Um, but be sure and get a bulletin so you can keep all that, keep up with when all those things are going to happen. So why don't we stand this morning? Let's open with a word of prayer. as we just We're just going to worship the Lord this morning. Amen. I said, we're just going to worship the Lord this morning. Amen. That's our purpose in being here. Come together just to worship Him. Let's do that this morning. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, we thank you for your greatness. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for, God, your favor and your blessings that you pour out on us. And God, we thank you for your deliverance and your healing. God, we just thank you for everything that you do for us, Lord. Even though sometimes we can't always see it, God, we know that you're there. We know that you're taking care of things for us. And we thank you for that this morning. Lord, we just enter this service. God, with a worshipful heart, with thanksgiving, Lord, we just come and praise to you this morning. We ask that you would move in a mighty way, that you would touch lives this morning. God, stir up within this place a mighty move of the Holy Spirit, God. Come fill us again, strengthen us, power us again, once again. We love you this morning. We praise you and we give you glory in the name of Jesus. Are y'all ready to worship this morning? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, God, for this opportunity. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, God. Day is only death is beaten. You have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave, life eternal. You have won the day. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. Oh, he's alive. Free and light. 
service, God. Father, we believe and we stand on your word this morning, God, that you have good for us, God. Father, we just want to lay our burdens down at your feet this morning, Father, and know that you have everything under control, God, in Jesus' name, amen. They say this mountain can't be They say these chains will never break. 
Boom. 
even when my eyes can't see and this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the seas through it all through it all my eyes are on you through it all through it all it is well Try. 
and say today it is well with my soul. We sing that song, Happy Day. Oh, happy day. He washed my sins away. It is well. It is well because he washed my I'm saved. I've been delivered. But you know, sometimes there comes things in our lives that we step back and we say it's not well. But I know the maker of the universe. I know the maker of it is well. And we can take our needs before him. And this morning we have a couple needs that, that, that have been told to me. Um, the Dickinsons just had to leave. Kara's sister, Cindy, uh, is in the hospital uh, in critical condition. We need to pray for her. We need to lift her up. They just found out. They just left as church was starting. And also we got word yesterday that Donna Phelps had had a stroke. And they, air, they airlifted her to Oklahoma City. I want to read you um, a report that was put out this morning by her mom. Yes. Okay, let's remember him as well. Uh, this is her daughter, Penny, I believe. Said she is stable. The only change so far this morning is she opened her eyes, turned her head towards me for a few seconds, closed her eyes again. This happened twice within a couple minutes. Another CT will be done sometime this morning to assess the, to assess the blood and swelling of the brain. And she asked that we continue to pray. So. Let's continue to lift up Donna this morning. She's, I believe she's still in Oklahoma City. And, uh, and let's remember these other needs. Maybe you have a need this morning. We can, we can go before the Lord, and we know that he's going to make it well. He's going to heal. He's going to deliver. He's going he's to take care of it. But all we have to do is ask. He says, if you'll bring it to me, I'll take care of it. That's all we have to do. So if you, if you have a need this morning, just lift up your hand. Let's just take those before the Lord at this time. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you that this morning I can stand here and I can say it is well because of you, Lord, only because of you. Lord, I can't do it myself. I can't take care of it myself. I can't heal. I can't deliver. But God, you can. And Lord, what you did in the Bible, what you did back then, you'll do today because the word says that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus does not change. That healing that was paid for us on that cross is still today. The promise is still there. And Lord, we stand on that promise right now. Lord, we lift up these needs that are in this place. Father, you see the ones with their hands lifted. God, even if they didn't lift their hand, we pray that you would move in their lives. God, you see the need touch right now. Lord, we lift up Donna right now. She's in the hospital. God, take this swelling, take this bleeding on her in her brain. Lord, take this and just completely heal it right now. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you do this. Lord, for Kara's sister, we pray right now for healing. Whatever the situation, Lord, that you would begin to move in her life. God, our pastor, friend, and, and Wilson, that you would move in his life. Whatever the situation, Lord, touch right now. God, any situation in this church, Lord, that's known, whether it's us or someone that we know, Lord, we pray that you would move. Lord, we pray for lost loved ones. God, because we want to know it's well with them. Lord, we pray that you'd reach our lost loved ones. God, and we love you this morning because you know that you're faithful. You answer our prayers. You've never stopped. You've never forsaken us. You've never abandoned us. And we thank you right now, God, for the answers to prayer. God, that you would continue to move, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. If our ushers will come, we'll take up our morning tithes and offering. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your provision.
Lord, your word says you'll take care of all of our needs. Lord, if we'll just seek you first in your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, you ask that we give back just a portion to you, Father, so you can return it in blessing to us. And Lord, we thank you for that opportunity, Lord, to return that blessing to you because we know you're faithful and you're going to return it to us. We know you're faithful and you're going to take what we give to you and multiply it as you have so many times. Lord, we thank you this morning for what you're doing. We thank you for the offering. We pray that you bless the giver this morning, bless the gift this morning, and we just give you praise in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Did y'all see that bright thing in the sky early this morning? How many saw that? That's called the sun. I know you haven't seen it for a while, but it's real. <laughs> and I know this bad weather's got a lot of folks locked in. I'm missing a few of them this morning, aren't you? Amen. I, I, I didn't get out until Friday, but I got out. I had cabin fever by the time I got out, too. And sometimes I just drove around Long Grove watching people. I had to get out and get out. I was part of that locked up stuff. And in fact, I'm, my vote is that winter is over with. It's going to be summer from now on. Okay, I see some of you are not with me on that one. Okay. Well. Anyway, we dug up another one of our kids, so we brought him over this morning. He's going to sing, and then we're going to share with you some thoughts here in a minute. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, I have to say again, like I said last time I was here, you've got one of the best worship teams ever. I mean, anointed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I didn't talk to them. They didn't talk to me, but we've all been talking to the Lord. And the Lord put together this service this morning because the songs they sang fit right in with the song that I felt like I needed to do. Praise you, Lord. When they took my body down from that old cross laid in a borrowed tomb Some said not He's gone for good. We'll never see him again. In just three days, that stone rolled away, and I come walking out of that grave. 
just to say to you today, I'm the King of Kings and I have power over the grave and this too shall pass. Oh, this too shall pass. He before season, oh, and then it's gone, so gone. Oh, this trial of your soul, you know last so long and then ah yes and then this too shall pass this too shall pass this too shall pass You remember the words that I spoke I'd be with you till the end And even though there's times That it may feel like a child You're not there yet, no So when the whole world seems that it's falling apart and all your dreams are sorely crushed just hold of these nail scarred hands for they never failed you yet and this too shall pass this too shall pass here before just a season and then it's gone 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 oh this trial of your soul you know so long no and then and then this do it shall pass this do this do shall pass it's here before the season oh and then you know it's gone Gone, gone, gone. My child, hold on, hold on. Hold to these nail scarred hands. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on to these nail scarred hands. They were pierced for you. Oh, every drop of blood I shed was for you hold on hold to these nail scarred hands this too this too
in Germany and uh, I was preaching in Weilendorf one night it's in the Stuttgart area if you're familiar with Germany and uh, Terry called me the next morning and she said uh, we were in the service tonight and I said okay and she said do you like historical things well yeah I don't know much about it but I like it and she said well said Steve because of his job has access to all of the maps when the Romans made the march through Europe and conquering of the Germanic tribes in Germany. And she said he likes to go out and find those uh, sites, the German, uh, the Roman sites and the Castiles and whatever, and he drags me and their two daughters and said, we don't want to go. Would you go? And I said, I'd love to. So I got hooked up with Steve for the next weekend, and boy, did we... We built, we've got a bond there, and, uh, and we'd tromp around through the fields and the woods of southern Germany, and I don't know, did we get into Switzerland? I can't remember. Got into Switzerland, I thought we did. And, uh, but walking around, you learn about people. And while we were out talking, I'd pick up a few thoughts and words that I'd hear him say that, I said, that guy knows more than he's telling me right now. And come to find out one day, he just up and confessed, and he said, I'm a graduate of of a Pentecostal Bible college. I said, I guessed it. I knew it. <laughs> you, you let it slip out on you. <laughs> and so uh, that bond became stronger, and I asked him uh, to become our adult teacher in the class there in Ballendorf. And uh, so that worked out good. We got to be good friends. And later he was transferred up into the Netherlands, and I came to, back to the States, and I was down... Uh, in the, in the church in New Orleans. I think I've told you about that. And uh, there's good people down there, but be careful when you go down there. That's all I can say. And anyway, I was asked to come there for a particular reason, and it's to clear up some things in the church. Well, one of the things we had to do is to replace the principal of a school. And uh, that's never easy. That's always a, a gut-wrenching thing. I hate to do it. I just feel like I'm in getting into somebody's life when you take you have to diss somebody and put them out of a position that they had and it was just grieving my spirit one morning and I had my head laying down on the desk and I was grieving over it and the switchboard called me and said you got a call a long distance call and I said where from and they said the Netherlands and I said oh help mercy who do I know and then I forgot that's Steve he's up in the Netherlands he called me and he said I've been released. You got a job for me? I said, uh, well, yeah. There's two or three positions, but one of them 
required, a principal school required a certain educational background and also had to be cleared with the state. And I told him the story and he said, I'll be there in two days. And he did. He flew in. I picked him up. He met with the board, looked around. He said, I like it. They said they liked him. So he is hard. And he put together one of the best systems. He brought in some other schools and other things began to happen. Well, we got to be good friends. And then I will, I'm not telling everything, though, Steve. I'm telling kind of, okay. <laughs> he, he said, I, he told me last night that I like got killed with one of them parents. They didn't like what I did at the school. <laughs> Sometimes it's the discipline that gets you. But anyway, uh, he got called back in 2001. 921, you remember, 9-11, that kind of thing. It was a bad deal in New York, and we didn't know if the America was under attack. Well, Steve got brought back in, and he found out he wasn't as free as he thought he was, so he had to go do it again. He went back, and he got involved in Washington, D.C. Y'all heard of that, haven't you? <laughs> okay, from what I know, I haven't been there, but he says don't go if you don't have to. <laughs> it's a bad place. Dangerous, right? He said, it's really dangerous. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he, uh, he got up there. He came back to Long Grove, and he lived with us. I'm not going to go all the details of that, but he would go to Oklahoma City and fly back up there. He took care of business right out of Long Grove. Did you know that we were a pivot point at one point? Uh, there were some bad people in Long No, there wasn't. I just <laughs> he came here to hide, I think. <laughs> but anyway, we, they... He's now retired, I guess you might say, living up in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, Terry, stand up. I want to meet you. This is a special lady. She's the power behind the throne. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Terry. And uh, anyway, these are great friends, and we have a, a great relationship. And they have been here a couple of days. We've been up to midnight every night. Uh, matching stories and talking about stuff and re reminiscing and going back some of that stuff we've been trying to forget but we bring it back up again and anyway it's just good to be with kind of friends like that so um, uh, LaDonna was asking me about this weekend and I said I've got some friends they're coming you want him to preach that weekend and she called me back and said yes and so anyway um, I got Steve on the docket and I've told him, I said, Steve, you can do anything you want to in this church, and nobody will say anything. You can just you can flow in any direction, <laughs> and you can. And, and I told him, I said, you can tell them anything, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to caution you. Whatever you hear, don't tell anybody what you heard or where you heard it. Okay? All right. <laughs> well, that's all right. You can tell a few folks, but not many. not many. But anyway, it's good to have Steve and Terry French with us today. And uh, they're great friends. And I'd like you to welcome Steve to this pulpit as he comes to share with us the Word of God. Take your time. Enjoy it. Okay. When you run out of energy, let me know and I'll come up and finish Okay, you can, come, well, you, you can come up and finish up. Well, I got to, you know, Dwayne tells some stories. Y'all ever heard him tell a story? You know, he's got some good stories. And, uh, I, but I got a story on Dwayne. Uh, back, you know, we, we've had this COVID thing, you know, now, and we're kind of through this, thank God. Uh, it, was, it was terrible, you know, the whole thing was a terrible experience for everybody, I think. And, uh, and about, 
year and a half ago, you know, when we were kind of full into it, uh, a mutual friend of Dwayne and, and mine uh, called him. He didn't know where I was. It was somebody that um, I was, we were officers together, you know, in the army over in Europe. And uh, Andy was his name. And Andy, Andy Hofer called, called Dwayne and he, he wanted to know where I was, you know, if Dwayne knew, had any idea where I was. And so, uh, and so Andy got a hold of me. And so we've been now talking again, you know, and, um, and, and whatnot. But uh, Andy, uh, Andy used to love to hear Dwayne preach. And, you know, we went to Dwayne's church there in, uh, in, in, Stut- in Weilendorf in Germany, you know. Uh, Terry and I only lived about three blocks from the church, so it was kind of easy for us. But uh, we went to the church there. And uh, Andy, I, I didn't, I was gone for a Sunday or something. I can't remember what it was. And, and so I might have been out of town. I traveled a lot then. And I was, you know, going over to London and different places, you know, on business and stuff. And so uh, anyway, Andy come in one morning. And he said, uh, and his, his expression to me was, man, the duck was quacking last night. <laughs> and that's how, that's how he always described Dwayne's preaching. The duck was quacking last night, man. He went one, plat, one end of the platform to the other. The duck was quacking. And he loved to hear, hear, uh, hear, hear Dwayne preach. But, but anyway, that was... That was a true, that's a true story. <laughs> but he loved to hear him preach. So, and I like to hear him preach too. He's one of the most entertaining and good preachers that I know. I can't preach anything like he does, you know. I don't have the stories. I don't have the stories. I got a story about receiving yard of the month, but that's about the only one I've got. <laughs> Dwayne knows that story. I'll tell the story. I'll tell the story. Uh, so we came back from Germany after we'd been in Duane's church, and I had to go back to the, to the officer's advance course. The intelligence officer's advance course is down at Fort Huachuca in Arizona, down on the, uh, about on the Mexican border, right by Tombstone. And so I came back, and we had to wait a few weeks to get into our quarters. It's the only time we ever lived on, on, on post in, our, you know, in my whole career. And so we got down there and, uh, and wait, waited for our quarters. We got our quarters. And in the yard was a, was a beautiful yard. Somebody had done a tremendous job. In Arizona, it's hard to keep grass growing. It's even worse than here. It's drier, it's drier than it is in Oklahoma, you know? And it's hard to keep grass growing down there. But somebody had, had, had the yard, oh, it was beautiful. And they had beautiful big rose bushes outside the windows, you know? Uh, these huge rose bushes. So we moved in and about two days later, we got a knock on the door of our quarters. And here was somebody from, uh, a couple of people from the Post newspaper and from the installation coordinator's office and stuff. And somebody was out there driving a sign down in our yard, you know? And, and we won yard of the month. <laughs> Haven't touched the yard, haven't gotten, haven't turned on, haven't gotten out and clipped a single blade of grass. We want yard of the month. And they come around and they give me a great big plaque with my name on it. Yard of the month with, with a picture of the post, you know, and they give us a gift certificate to the PX or the commissary or someplace, I can't remember where. And, and wanted to take my picture, you know, and put us on the front page of the post newspaper. This was a big deal, this competition. 
Commission. I mean, people slaved over that yard so that they could win Yard of the Month. Two days after I moved in, Yard of the Month. And they gave me the gift certificate. I just smiled and just acted like everything was, was okay, you know. And they gave me Yard of the Month. So. Oh, you know, when I moved, I, I, don't, I have a brown thumb. And I cut those rose bushes down where they were about six inches tall. There wasn't anything left of those beautiful rose bushes. I destroyed that yard. That was probably would have got the worst yard on post award when we, when we moved out. But when I moved in, it was a yard of the month. So anyway, uh, that, that's just one story, but that's a true one. So if you have your Bibles this morning, most people got an app these days, I know, but I'm not that advanced. So uh, anyway, if you could turn over with me to John chapter 1. And we're going to look at uh, a scripture or two here. And I'm just going to read verse 14 in chapter 1, and then I'm going to turn back to John chapter 18. It says in John chapter 1 and verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now let's turn back to John chapter 18. And verse 36 I'm going to start at. And Jesus answered, it says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who, hear, who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And I'm going to stop right that. Uh, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And that's what I want you to be thinking about this morning. What is truth? What is truth? So, Lord, we come before you this morning and ask that you would uh, bless your word, Lord. Uh, speak to our hearts through it. We know, Lord, that your word is truth. You say in your word, thy word is truth. And we, we believe that, Lord. We know that uh, your word is convicting. It gives us hope. It gives us faith, Lord. And we ask, O oh God, this morning that you would speak to our hearts through it in Jesus' name. So, you know, when Jesus was brought before Pilate, Jesus was accused of some pretty heinous crimes by the Jews of the day. He was accused of going around doing good. And that was a terrible thing. It was a terrible thing to go around doing good. Has anybody ever been accused of going around and doing good? If you've been, you know, it's a terrible thing to be accused of going around doing good. And the second thing that Jesus was accused of was having an exclusive message. His message was exclusive. And he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That was the two things that the Jews were really accusing Jesus of, you know. They were accusing him of going around, oh my goodness, he healed on the Sabbath. He healed at the synagogue. Oh, that, that's deserving of death, you know. And for Jesus, uh, and Jesus said, uh, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. He had an exclusive claim. Uh, he had an exclusive uh, claim, and that didn't set well with the religious hierarchy of the Jews at that time. Uh, you know, the high priests and everybody—they had their thing going. They had, you know, they had, uh, they had the money pump running. You know, they had they had wealth coming in, and it was coming in to them. You know, because there was the, the whole ruling party. You know, we've got a kind of a ruling party in our nation today. And they're set up, they've got the money coming in, you know. Don't mess with the ruling party. Don't mess with what they've got going on, you know. And that was the problem was Jesus was looking like he was going to mess with what was going on. You know, they had a good thing going with the Romans, you know. And so when it come time, here's this guy that comes in and claims to be what? He claims to be the Messiah, the king of the Jews, Here's this guy comes into claims, claims to be the king of the Jews. Now, you know, they knew the scriptures. They knew that this was going to mess them all up. You know, they, they'd, lose their, they'd lose their control over the, over the, political, uh, the political world in, in Israel, you know. And everything that they, were, they controlled, they was going to lose their control. And that was a bad thing for them. And so they were worried and they were protecting, they were protecting their dominion. They were protecting what they had built and, and the political power, the economic resources that they had. That's what they were up to. They were protecting all of that stuff. They were, they were worried. And so uh, as the power, powerful often do, they turned the full extent of the law and the government against Jesus in order to try to do away with this threat. You ever seen this happen on the news? Anybody ever pay attention to that and seen and seen where you see the where you see people will turn the whole government, you know, turn all of the elements of the government against somebody. You know, it might be that one of the government uh, agencies goes in and raids their home looking for whatever they can find to try to destroy this person. That happens sometimes, you know. I don't know about any time recently, but that happens sometimes, you know, and. And so sometimes that'll happen where somebody will, they'll they'll turn the they'll turn the government loose on people and do everything that they can to destroy their life. It doesn't make any difference what area they try have to dig into. It doesn't make any difference if they have to just make stuff up out of thin air and you know and get uh, you know and get stuff going just out of thin air. It doesn't make any difference. They'll do whatever they can to protect their political position. And the Bible says that Pilate knew that the Jews handed Jesus over out of jealousy. You know, jealousy is an insidious thing. Has anybody ever been, the, I, I've been jealous before. Has anybody ever been jealous before? I'll bet that there's some people here that's been jealous before. You know, you will do things when you are jealous that you would never do in any other circumstance. Isn't that right? Wasn't that true? You know, if you get somebody jealous, you know, you get jealous about somebody about a position or something or other, you know, whatever it's about, it doesn't make any difference. You know, it can be all about almost anything. It's an unreasonable emotion. Yes. You know, it's, a, it's an emotion that doesn't have any reason. You don't know what, you know, sometimes you don't even know why you're jealous of somebody, you know. Uh, they're just, they're, you're just feeling like they're a threat to whatever your position is, whatever you've been building up and whatever you've been trying to accomplish. You just feel like they're a threat to it. And, and you become jealous of them. And you know, jealousy is an insidious thing. And you know what's worse than being on the jealous end and doing stuff is getting it done to you. <laughs> you know, if you get it done to you, right? Anybody at work ever had somebody that's jealous of you? 
you know, in your job. Anybody ever, you know, you got the promotion they didn't or something or other, you know, and, and now they're working to destroy you, you know, and destroy everything that you've ever accomplished and everything that you've done. Jealousy is an insidious thing. And that's what they were doing with Jesus. And Pilate knew that they were doing that with Jesus. You know, and you can tell by the dialogue uh, in John, you know, and in the other Gospels when Pilate is going through all of these things with Jesus, you can tell that Pilate, he knew that it was because of jealousy and he didn't think this was too serious of a thing, you know. I mean, he did not think that Jesus was trying to become Caesar. You know, Pilate, Pilate did not believe that, you know. Not only did he not believe that, he kind of thought, well, this is, just, this is just some guy that's out wandering around, you know. And, and you, know, you know what I'm saying? This is just some guy out wandering around just kind of, you know, stirring up trouble, you know, just because he, he's got a lot to say about these people, you know, or whatnot. You know, this is, but this is not a big deal, you know. Uh, I'm going to punish him and let him go. How about that, you know. And the Jews, they were not, they were not having it. They were not going to have just letting Jesus go. This was not going to happen because, because to them, Jesus was a serious threat. You know, he was the... See, Jesus was being put on trial for being himself. He was being put on trial for being himself. Jesus not only claimed to be the king of the Jews, Jesus was and is the king of the Jews. That's what Jesus was being put on trial for. The Pharisees, though, and the chief priests, the Sadducees, and all those folks, they made a conscious decision to choose the world instead of choosing the kingdom of God. And you know what? We've got we to be careful because we can do that, too, in our decisions. You know, we can choose instead of going with God, going with the world. It's an easy decision to make, you know. It's easy to, to go off, you know, to veer off course. Anybody ever veered off course on anything you decided and realized, you know, God wasn't in that, you know what I'm saying? I've veered off course a few times. I admit it. I confess I have veered off course more times than I want to count. And every time that I veered off course, it has been a disaster. You know, I have brought, I have troubled myself, you know, every time that I have veered off course and veered away from what the kingdom of God, you know, from the right response according uh, to the kingdom of God. Well, the Jews said, when Pilate said, do you want me to crucify your king? The Jews said, we have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. That's what the Jews said. You know, God wasn't their king. You know, this was a problem now, you know. Uh, I mean, I would, they were just like unbelievers, weren't they? You know, saying, we have no king but Caesar. You know, they chose, think about that, they chose a wicked ruler over the king of the universe. That's what they did. They chose that. They, they specifically and, and, and intentionally chose that. You know, even... Even in that time, Jesus' brothers didn't even believe in him. You remember that? Brothers didn't even believe in him. He was getting ready to, you know, there was this feast happening, and his brothers were going up to the feast, and Jesus said, I'm not going to go up there yet, you know, I'm not ready to go up there 
to that feast. Uh, and and they, they were almost ridiculing him, mocking him, you know, because they said, if anybody wants to be a public figure, you got to get out there and present yourself, you know. You got to form a political base and get some votes if you want to be. That's what they were saying, basically, you know. That's what they were saying. You got to get out there and get some votes. Dwayne told me he knew somebody down in New Orleans, well, in Chalmette, where we lived, he knew somebody down there controlled 60 dead votes. Vote, control the vote. You need anything done, you get those 60 dead people to vote for it, and you got it, you know. <laughs> I went down there one time. Dwayne said, Steve, uh, they need somebody to go down there and pray at the, pray at the uh, parish council meeting. <laughs> They'd open in prayer, you know. It was a Catholic parish, and so uh, they needed somebody to open in prayer. I went down there and, and showed up, and I asked Dwayne, what do you do? He said, you just go in there and stand there and just pray your heart out. <laughs> so, you know, just say whatever you want to say. Just be as loud as you want to be, you know. So I went down there, and I prayed for the council meeting, the parish council meeting, you know. But I'm telling you, those people are different people. There are some, they are different people down there in New Orleans. I mean, they'll come up to you right in the middle of service, and they'll say, uh, when, I, for, when you first get there, they'll walk up to you and they'll say, what are you doing here? <laughs> you ask if it's true. They'll, ask, they, they'll go, come right up to you. What are you doing here? You don't belong here. You, you know, <laughs> right in church, you know. <laughs> That'll take you back a little bit. That'll set you back. But anyway, that's what they'll do. I mean, they, you know, I mean, there are some people down there that are unbelievably good. You know, there are some great people down there. You know, friends that we have to this day, you know, from, uh, from when I was the principal of the school down there and stuff. Um, but, but there are some people, boy, that they can, be, they can be just hateful, you know. Some of those people call you up on the phone and say, I'm going to come pull you out of church and beat you to death, you know. Stuff like that. They would do stuff like that. I, I kid you not, people in the church, you know. Crazy, crazy kinds of stuff. So, anyway... Jesus told his brother, though, he told his brothers, you know, uh, you, know how, you know how in the Gospels how Jesus, like somebody will approach him at one level and all of a sudden he'll be on a different level talking about something entirely different, uh, putting out a teaching point, you know. You know, that's the way the Word of God is, isn't it? You know, the Word of God. I mean, Jesus was the Word of God, right? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And when Jesus spoke, it was the truth speaking because he is the word of God. He is the word of God. He always has been the word of God and he always will be the word of God speaking. And the word of God is truth. And when Jesus spoke, sometimes he would just turn the whole situation by a simple word. And the simple word that he spoke to his brothers was, the world cannot hate you. But it hates me because I testify of its works that what it does is evil. That's what he told his brothers. You know, and sometimes, sometimes the word of God testifies to us that our works are evil. Anybody ever had the word of God testify to you that you had done something evil? Oh, my goodness. The word of God can convict and the word of God can can strike our hearts. You know, the word of God is, you know, it says it's sharper than a two edged sword. And when the word of God comes in and the word of God smites our hearts, you know, uh, sometimes we will grieve. We grieve over the things that we've done even for years 
you know, when we look at that portion of the Word of God, how many looks at the Word of God and sometimes you don't want to see what it's saying about the sin that you just committed? Right? You know, I know when I sin, okay, I think that people smart enough to know when they sin. You know, we have the knowledge of good and evil. And I think that our conscience tells us when we've sinned. And you know what? It's an uncomfortable time in the Word of God when we open it up to the passage that talks about that particular sin. That's an uncomfortable time for us. We don't want to hear that. Well, I'll get to that in a little bit. You know, a lifetime, it was about a lifetime ago, just about, not quite, but almost a lifetime. Well, it was some people's lifetime ago. Let's put it that way. Some people that's married and got kids now, it was their lifetime ago at least, you know. Uh, I was in a PhD program at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. It's a beautiful town, you know, a beautiful university founded by James Madison and Thomas Jefferson. Uh, and the, uh, the Virginia Baptist Convention gave them the land for that university to build a university on. And so they have in the bylaws of the University of Virginia that Hebrew and Greek must be taught every, every semester at the University of Virginia, or it will, and Latin, I guess, too, or it will, uh, it will cancel the university's charter. They've got to teach all three of those languages, or the university charter will be dissolved. They have that in the charter at the University of Virginia. Well, I happen to be in the, oh boy, I happen to be in the religious studies department in a PhD program there. That's right, yeah. And so, uh, and so uh, near where my building was that I had to go to, you know, sometimes for classes, I didn't always go there for classes. Uh, most of my classes were like advanced rabbinic Hebrew. I studied, there was a rabbi that was a professor there and that's who one of the people I studied with, you know, and advanced Greek and all that kind of stuff, you know. So uh, that was kind of what my, what my um, area was there. And, uh, and so, anyway, near the building where I had to go, there was this building that was built in 1884. It was called Old, Old Cabell Hall. And uh, if you ever see pictures of Monticello, there's like a rotunda. There is at the University of Virginia, too, like a beautiful rotunda with marble columns and everything round, you know. Uh, and at the opposite end of what's called the lawn, and then there was what were called the ranges. These are places where single students live up and down right on the... Uh, and you have to really apply in advance because they've got like uh, hardwood floors are really, you know, built in the early 1800s and they had hardwood floors and uh, wood burning fireplaces in each one of these things, you know, each one of these kind of individual rooms had a wood burning, and that's the only heat in the place, you know, it's kind of a really interesting and, and beautiful historic place. Edgar Allan Poe went to school there, by the way, and dropped out after the first year or something. He never graduated. Uh, which proves you don't have to graduate to do something that's, that's going to influence a lot of people. So anyway, uh, but at the University of Virginia, Old Cabell Hall, uh, on the architrave, and that's a fancy word for just saying what, it, what sits on top of the columns right there, that straight, you know, that straight across piece right across the top there. At the, on the architrave, uh, it's written in Greek, um, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's what this phrase is that's written up there. Now, you know, that's not the whole quote, right? That isn't the whole thing. The whole thing is, if you continue in my word, yeah. then are you my disciples indeed. Yeah. 
and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free if you continue in my word. But see, that, didn't, that did not work for the architect that was designing that building for the University of Virginia because his job was to make a political statement that you need to come to this university and study what we teach in order that you're going to know the truth. Right? See, and so all they needed was that part and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They didn't need that part or want that part if you continue in my word. And as Christians, we need to continue, continue in God's word. If we don't, how many of you read your Bible 15 minutes a day? Don't raise your hand. Okay. You know, okay, you get, you get what I'm saying. You get where my point is. You know, a lot of us, you know, for times we will neglect the Word of God. That's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to neglect the Word of God because then we're not seeing all of those places that we don't like to read in there that tells us what sins we're committing. You know, we got to be reminded of those things. We have to remind ourselves of the things that displease God and the things that please God. Because if we're not reminded of that, we'll become dull and we'll become shipwrecked spiritually. That's exactly what's going to happen to us. We're going to shipwreck our faith because faith, you were talking about faith in the worship service, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we're not putting it in us, we're not going to be able to believe God for the promises that he has for us. We're not going to be able to believe God when there's problems that arise that we can't deal with ourselves, and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that come up that we can't handle on our own. But the Word of God, if we'll put the Word of God inside of ourselves, then faith will rise up and deal with those problems. The Lord will work with us, it says in the Bible. You know, the Lord, you know, it says in there, the Lord working with them, signs following when they'd go out to preach the gospel, right? I don't know if this is a Pentecostal church. I'm not sure about it. You know, I've been... I went to a Pentecostal Bible college, though, like Dwayne said, you know. I went to a lot of education. I don't know why. I just like to go to school. I was, a, I was a high school dropout. I dropped out when I was 17 years old from high school. We lived in Boulder, Colorado, and I got real heavy and real hard into the drug scene there. You know, that was in the 70s, in the early 70s. And I got real big into rock and roll music, you know, and all into the drug scene and everything. And, uh, and I dropped out of high school when I, was, uh, when I was 17 years old and joined the Army. And so they sent me to Germany when I was 17 years old, and I joined the Army, and that's where I got saved. I got saved in, uh, in Stuttgart, and that's where Dwayne had come back to. I mean, I was, this was many years later. This was a number of years later when Dwayne came over there, and I had come back to the States, gotten out of the Army, and then used the GI Bill and went to school, you know, and got my commission and went back in the Army as a commissioned officer. Uh, after that. But there was a fella, I told Dwayne about this, I told this story. There was a fella uh, who had gotten saved out of heroin, and he was a terrible, terrible heroin addict. Uh, his name was Ernie. And everybody on post knew Ernie, and Ernie had been so strung out on heroin that Ernie could no longer talk. He could no longer form a coherent sentence. But Ernie got saved in a Pentecostal church. Ernie got saved. And Ernie got filled with the Holy Ghost. And Ernie 
loved and loved people and he loved to witness to people. He loved prayer. Ernie had pages. He had a notebook with pages and pages and pages. His prayer list was pages and pages long and Ernie prayed through his prayer list. Ernie was a sincere man and but Ernie couldn't talk to people. He had so much trouble just forming a sentence and talking to people but he wanted to share the gospel and so you know what Ernie did? He would order boxes of gospel tracts. Gospel, you know, John 3.16 tracks, things like that, you know, the, the, you know, the spiritual laws, you know, all that stuff, you know. He'd order boxes of these tracks. And we had, on the post that I was stationed on, it was European Command Headquarters, and there was a road that ran all the way through the post, from the front gate all the way to the back fence. And Ernie, and it was the busiest street, and in the summertime it'd get real busy, and nobody had air conditioning in their cars back in, that, back in those days, in Europe anyway. And so Ernie would stand out there, right in the middle of that street, and he would have his box of gospel tracts under his arm. And as cars drove by, everybody knew Ernie on post, by the way. So this wasn't, this, it wasn't a big deal. But Ernie would stand right out there in the middle of the street. And as the cars would drive by, he would reach in that box of tracts and grab out a handful of tracts and fire them into the window of the car as they drove by. Everybody had the windows rolled down. Ernie would be firing the tracks into the windows. Fast as he could throw them, the cars would be going by. Ernie would be throwing, fire, throwing tracks into the windows on both sides of the road. You'd see him out there just firing tracks into the window. Ernie would go around to the mess hall, a box of tracks under his arm, firing tracks out on the table for breakfast you know, at everybody's table in the mess hall. A lot of people got saved in that time frame. That was between 1973 and 1975, and that was the Jesus movement. Anybody remember that Jesus movement? Don't you wish we could have another Jesus movement? How many wants another Jesus movement? How many wants to see the Spirit of God move like the Spirit of God moved in? Even people who didn't believe would want to beg you to talk with them about the Bible. Everybody was reading the Bible. Atheists were reading the Bible through from cover to cover because the Spirit of God was moving, not just in America, but all over the world. The Spirit of God was moving. The Spirit of God was converting and the Spirit of God was saving. We need to see that again. How are we going to see that again? The Word of God. That's it. The Word of God. You know, if we don't have the faith, we're not going to see it again. If we don't have the faith, you know, it's hard to share the gospel if you don't have the faith to do it. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to articulate what Jesus' death and His resurrection meant to you if you don't have the faith of the Word of God welling up in your heart and that it's just coming out and it just won't stay in. Uh, you know, it's like the prophet said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. It's coming out and it won't stay in. I've got to speak the word of God. Well, you know, Jesus, he was the word made flesh. But you know what? The Bible says that Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are, yet was without sin. And so it took the big guy, it took Satan to tempt Jesus. It took a direct temptation from, from, the, from our enemy, the enemy our souls, to, to, 
to actually tempt Jesus. And so, you know, when Jesus was born, uh, was, uh, was, uh, was baptized of John the Baptist in the River Jordan, it says, you know, that the Spirit, you know, drove him out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And he was there and he was fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights and he was hungry and the devil came to him and he said, if, well, now what did he, this is an interesting statement. If you're the Son of God, Command these stones to become bread. Now, Jesus knew he was the Son of God. There wasn't any question in his mind that he was the Son of God. Satan knew that Jesus was the Son of God. He knew who he was, but he was still trying to put that doubt into his mind, who he was in the Lord. Isn't that right? And won't Satan, put it, won't Satan try to put the doubt into our mind who it is that we are in Christ Jesus? We're the redeemed of the Lord. The scripture says, let the redeemed say so. Let them say so. There's a reason. Revelation says they overcome by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the lamb. Let the redeemed say so. So Satan came to Jesus. If you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus, what did Jesus do? So Jesus didn't answer him himself. See, Jesus spoke, when he spoke, he spoke with authority because he is the word of God. But when he answered the devil, he quoted from scripture and he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, right? And we have the word of God, it's our life. That's what keeps us alive is the word of God. It keeps us alive in our spirit. And you know what? If we have faith, it keeps us alive in our body. It does both. Well, after that, after Jesus answered him with that word, the devil saw that wasn't going to work. And so he changed his tactic and he took Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple, just one of the corners of the temple that, that was real high. And he said, if you're the son of God, again, if you're the son of God, he asked him again, you know, throw yourself down because it's written that he'll give his angels charge over thee uh, to, you know, to bury thee up lest thy dash thy foot against the stone, right? It's what, it's what the devil told Jesus. Jesus, what was he trying to make Jesus do? He was trying to make him prove that he was, he was trying to make him prove who he was. He was trying to make him show off who he was. He was trying to make him rise up in pride and show off who he was. But Jesus came, he knew the purpose that he came for. He came to die on the cross. He did not come to be uh, exalted in, in his earthly days. He was supposed to be humble. And that's supposed to be our attitude as well, is to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And he'll exalt us in due time, right? That's what Jesus was doing. Jesus was, you think Jesus wasn't exalted when he was, when he was glorified and taken up into heaven? He was glorified. Jesus was glorified. He went to be, to sit at the Father's right hand, you know. That Stephen saw him there, you know, when, when he was being stoned. And, you know, in, in Acts uh, chapter 7, I believe that is. So, anyway, uh, Jesus, you know, he knew that he had come to be exalted. He knew that he had come to die on the cross, though, first. You know, sometimes we have to pay a price. Sometimes there's a price to be paid before the exaltation comes, you know. Uh, the Bible says, you know, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, you know, that he will exalt you at the proper time, right? So Jesus knew that. And Jesus said, you know, uh, Jesus said, how do you answer him? You shall not tempt the, it's written, you shall not tempt 
the Lord your God. Don't test the Lord your God. You know, we have, to be, we have to be careful about that too. There's something we have to be careful about is about testing God, you know. Sometimes, you know, we, we can push God over the limit. We can make God mad at us. Have you ever felt like God was mad at you? I have felt, I know I, and let me just answer for myself. I have felt like before God was really, really, really mad at me. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever feel like that, that God's gotten mad at you about something, you know? You know you did something wrong, and, and you know what? You're waiting for the spanking to come. <laughs> you know? God loves us, and he disciplines us like a father disciplines his son. And, and you know, sometimes we know. We know that we're going to get a spanking, right? We know it's on its way. Anybody ever experienced that? Nobody ever felt that except me, huh? I'm the only no. There's a few. <clears throat> we know a spanking's on the way, right? So Jesus said, you shall not tempt. Don't tempt the Lord your God. And so finally, Jesus took him up on a, or Satan took Jesus up on a high mountain, and he said, and he said, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. It says, I don't know how he did that, but he did. You know, he took him up on a high mountain and showed him all. Let me tell you another story. Is that all right if I say another story? Okay, so I was in Israel, and I was doing research for, for my dissertation, and, uh, and I was over, uh, I, I went up, I just happened to be with this Canadian guy, this Canadian archaeologist and I uh, were together over there. And uh, so we went up Mount Tabor. You know Mount Tabor, that's, the, that's, where the, uh, that's where the transfiguration happened, it was on top of Mount Tabor. We drove up Mount Tabor, and there were some little Ethiopian ladies. I suppose they were, they had to be in their late 80s, if, if anything. Some very small Ethiopian ladies, little, you know, little Ethiopian ladies, they had gotten off a tour bus, they had probably saved their whole lives to make this pilgrimage, you know, to Israel from Ethiopia. And so there were some little Ethiopian ladies, and they were sweating just trudging up the up Mount Tabor. You know, well, I had a rental car with air conditioning, you know, <laughs> just going along, you know. We were cool, the air blowing our hair back, you know, <laughs> just driving up Mount Tabor, you know. So I got up there and there was some of those Ethiopian ladies at the top, and I mean, they were just done in, you know. They, this was all they could take. It's a pretty, pretty high mountain. I mean, it's pretty long. It's a long climb, you know. It's uh, three or four miles, you know. Pretty steep uphill, I guess. And so uh, I got up the top. And so we looked around, did whatever we were going to do. And this was on a weekend. We weren't really working, but we were just kind of looking around. So we looked around, see what we were going to do. And so there were some of these Ethiopian ladies driving, or that were walking back down, back down the, the, the road, you know, Mount Tabor. And I stopped, and I, picked, I just picked a whole bunch of them up. I said, you know, as many as you can get in the car, get in here, you know. Come in, you know, come on in. We'll take you to the bottom, you know. So you got some air conditioning, cool off, you know. We'll take you back to your bus. So we took them back down there to the bus. So I thought, you know, I think I'd like to get a picture with these, with these ladies, you know. Uh, you know, because they're all, they're all dressed in traditional Ethiopian kind, Ethiopian kind of costumes, you know. And I thought, I really like these ladies. I want to get a picture with them, you know. They're here. They're, they're really, they're, I mean, they are going for God, you know. 
I mean, this is something that really meant something to them that they could go see where the transfiguration took place, you know. And they were willing to walk up that long road, and it was probably about 100 degrees out, you know. And they're, they're willing to do that, you know, just because of their faith, because they want to see where it happened, you know. They want to see where the miracle of the transfiguration happened. This is big to them. And so I thought, well, I'd really like to get a picture with these ladies, you know, and honor them. And so I got out my camera and stuff, and the bus driver comes running over to me, yelling at me, wanting me to pay him 50 bucks to take these Ethiopian ladies' picture. And I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, and I, you know, and so anyway, I said, we just gave them a ride down, you know, and I really, I, I was, I might have lost spiritual victory a little bit right there, you know, and, and I lit into him. I ended up taking their picture for free. You know, I got the Ethiopian ladies, ladies pictures, but, but anyway, uh, oh, that was just a story, but regardless. Okay. You know, uh, Jesus, when he got done being tempted, uh, and and this was uh, this was the last temptation was when Jesus said, you know, uh, you shall worship the Lord God and serve Him only. Anybody got any? Anybody think anything that's a god that you serve besides God? Have you ever had a god that you serve besides God? You know what? There's all kinds of things that can be a god that you serve beside God's, besides God. With for the for the rulers of the Jew, the th Jews, the thing that they were serving was their political power and their economic influence. That was the thing that they were serving. That was the thing beside God that they had. You know, it doesn't just take setting up a calf like Aaron did in the wilderness. You know, the golden calf isn't the only thing that we can worship. There's Lots of things that we can that can enter our lives that we'll worship. Uh, you ever get a new car, a brand new car, and you just sit out there and you just look at that new car. Oh, oh, I love that car that I got. You know, <laughs> you know, our, our hearts can so easily turn away from God. You know, there's there's a there's as many things as there are in the world are things that can turn our heart away from God. Right? As many things as there as there are. You know. I was telling Dwayne, you cannot serve both God and mammon. You can't serve, you can't serve both God and money. It can't, it can't be done, you know? Nothing wrong with being in business. I have a business, you know? Uh, there's nothing wrong with being in business. But you cannot serve God and money. You can't serve both of them. You've got to make the choice, and God's got to, be the, got to be the right choice. So Jesus said, worship the Lord God and serve Him only. Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Yeah. Diligently, that's the key. We gotta be seeking him in the word of God. We gotta be looking for what the truth is. You know, our world is a lost world. It's a terrible lost world. And you know, they've turned the world on its head, saying that, may, saying that boys are girls and girls are boys. You know, all of these things, they've turned the world on its head. You know, calling evil good and calling good evil. That's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests did with Jesus. He went about doing good. That was his only crime. He was the king of the Jews. He was who he was. He didn't try to be anybody other than who he was, the savior of the world, and they convicted him for being the king of the universe and for doing, going about doing good, for his exclusive message and for going about doing good.
Well, let's look back, if we can. I'm just about to run out of time here. Let's look back, if we can, at Genesis. In the first chapter in Genesis. And I just want to notice a couple of things here in the first chapter. I love the book of Genesis. It's one of my favorite books, really. Uh, Verse 1, Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God spoke the word, and it happened. There was light. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. The word of God came forth, and the creation happened. You know, and God went through and he created the heavens and the earth in six days. I had a friend, he's, I have a, he's still my friend. I have a friend who's, uh, who was a pastor of a Nazarene church, a very a brilliant man. Uh, he had a PhD in physics and he worked at Sandia National Labs, uh, you know, retired from there and, uh, and became the pastor of a Nazarene church. And then he taught at Nazarene Bible College in Colorado Springs. Uh, we knew him up in Boulder, though. He pastored the church up there. He's since retired about it, but a couple of years ago, probably, that Bob retired from up there. But Bob believed, so Bob believed the Bible. I mean, he believed it was true. He believed Jesus coming again, bodily. He believed in the bodily resurrection of Christ. He believed that Jesus was coming again. He believed in the imminent second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to keep that in mind. It says, watch. It says, watch, you know. You know what? If we get too distracted by the world, we're not going to watch. So... So uh, he, you know, Bob believed it though, you know, but you know what, Bob believed in an old earth. Anybody ever hear old earth, old earth, new earth theory, right? Old earth, new earth theory. So a lot of physicists, they believe, you know, old earth, like in other words, that it took millions and millions of years for, for God to, uh, for God to create the earth, you know, and he went through the evolutionary process to create the earth, right? So this is, there's a lot of people, I don't know if you knew that, there's a lot of people in the church today a lot of people in, in, in the church that believe that it took evolution for God to create man. I don't believe it took evolution for God to create man. I don't see the evidence there. And I'm talking about, I don't see the evidence either in the Word of God, and I don't see the physical evidence either. Now, I might not be a real smart guy, but I do have, I, I do have a couple of degrees, you know, I got a few of them. And one of my degrees is a master's in archaeology. I have a master's degree in archaeology. And so, anyway, I, I've, I've looked at this stuff a little careful, you know, uh, you know, and I just don't see the evidence there, you know. I mean, the Word of God, and you know what, above that, the Word of God, and I believe the Word of God. I've got to. I've got to believe the Word of God, absolutely. I've got to believe. You know what, if it's, if it's, if it's not all true, none of it is true. That's the thing. You've got to make a choice. It's either all true or it's nothing, or nothing in it's true. That's the, that's the truth of it, you know. You have to make a choice. You choose. Is this true or is this not true? You got to make that choice. Is it true or is it not true? You know, I choose that this is true because I see the things that play out in the Word of God. I see the Word of God speaking to every day, uh, speaking to how human, to the human condition and how people are. I see the Word of God revealing sin in people's lives. I see people getting saved when they look at the Word of God and when they, when they let the Holy Spirit work on their heart, you know. It's the Word of God that saves us, you know. Uh, when, well, I, you know what I mean. Jesus' death saves us, but 
But the Word of God, by, you know, by believing the Word of God, it says that, you know, that, uh, that we believe and then we're saved. That's what it says. So, anyhow, God created the heavens and the earth. So, so that's just the way I believe it. Now, there are some people who don't, who don't take to, to this theory of, uh, or this, you know, this fact of God creating the earth in six days. Like I said, Bob was one of them, a good friend of mine, uh, who believes that it took millions of years. But you know what? That contradicts what the Bible says. Uh, because the Bible says, and maybe I'll talk a little bit about this tonight. I might, I might say a word or two about this. But the Bible says that, that, uh, that death came in when Adam and Eve sinned. I mean, that's what it says. That's when death came into the world. There couldn't be evolution because you can't have all those dinosaurs dying if death hadn't come on earth yet. That can't happen, you know. You, that's right. You can't have a bunch of stuff dying if God says that death didn't even come in until after he, you know, until after Adam, you know, until Adam fell. And uh, there was, there's something that, that God has been pressing on me uh, the last um, couple of years even, in the last year or two, there's something that God's impressed on me. And you know what that is? That is that God hates death. God hates death. You know, uh, I hear people say, oh, you know, and especially at, you know, non-Christians, I hear them say, I didn't tell you about the homeless ministry, did I? I did a homeless ministry for about eight years. And those people would die over and over again. I mean, just from, you know, the sheep, we had, uh, it, it, they were spiritual, they were very spiritual people. In summertime, we'd have about 10 or 12 in service. In wintertime, we'd have about 75. We'd fill up the, the building, that we had, you know, because they'd get awful spiritual when it got cold. The colder it got, the more spiritual they got because they didn't have any place to go to get warm or to get a, or to get a, a you know, free breakfast or whatever, okay? But, you know, many of those people died. I remember a girl named CJ. CJ came up, Terry remembers CJ. CJ came up to the front. I preached. CJ came up to the front. She wanted to repent. She cried with me, you know, prayed with me, uh, just repenting, just pouring her heart out to God, dead the next day, was drunk and fell in the creek and hit her head on a rock and died, you know? I mean, this was what we dealt with all the time in the homeless ministry was death. But God hates death. He hates death. He sent his son to die in order to overcome death, hell, and the grave. God hates death. Don't ever let anybody tell you death is a good thing. It's a terrible thing. Abortion's a terrible thing. It's death. All of those things are terrible. The things, assisted suicide is a terrible thing. It's death. God hates death. Every breath that man's breathes is a, is a breath closer that he comes to being saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Every breath that man breathes is another chance. Another chance for salvation. Amen. All right. Well, you know what? I am out of time. Y'all break right at 12 and head out the door to get a roast, right? Anyhow, I'll let Dwayne dismiss you this morning. Is that okay? I think I got the, have I got the fire? Okay. <laughs> All right. I know you've been stimulated. I know the thoughts are there. There's got the wheels of turning. You know, I never know who's in the service and who has needs and who has need of God doing something in them. You know, if you came here today, maybe you came in 
because it's a regular search time. It could have been that you need God to do something for you before you leave. I hate to think that we let you slip out the door with a need in your life that only God could resolve. And I'm going to do something right now. And I, I, I don't know anyone here, don't know the situations, but I'm going to ask God to search our hearts and reveal His will. Can we do that? Yes. Heavenly Father, as you look across this congregation, as you see the needs and the hearts and the lives, maybe there's someone here troubled today. Maybe they've been provoked by the word to be realized that they are not right. They're not going in the right direction. Their life needs to be turned around. And I'm praying, oh God, that by your grace and mercy today, that you will expose, Lord, and bring that to light and bring about the salvation that we need. For we ask it in Jesus' name today. Amen. If there's one that needs prayer this morning, we want to pray with you. We don't you leave and without being able to be touched by the Master's hand and lifted up. Anyone need prayer, want you to come. We pray with you. Stand with us if you will. We're getting ready to go in a few moments, but I don't want to take away that opportunity or privilege that you may need to be able to get the count settled and your hearts right with God. If there's anyone needs prayer, want you to come. And uh, Steve, if you will, go back to the back, and somebody might want to come by, and you might even need to pray for something back there at the back okay. as you go. all right. And uh, if you have a need, let somebody pray with you. Don't leave without you knowing that you've turned it all over to the Lord. Amen? Amen. He's here to be able to settle the old account and get everything cleared in our heart and our mind. So we're going to dismiss you tonight. Uh, I think we got some new singers coming in, and I don't know what all's going on. And uh, Steve may get a new message. Who knows? He may be, have a new thought tonight. I can tell you he's got some things to talk about that he hasn't talked about. He could talk about might scare you to death. I'm not for sure if you shouldn't hear that once in a while. You need to be shook, right? Amen. Well, I know that he, he worked out of Washington, D.C. for a while. He come back and he said, don't ever go around Washington, D.C. He said, they'll kill you up there. <laughs> and it's a bad place. So when you hear some of those folks up there saying pray, you better pray. You better pray. That's right. And I'm not for sure if any politician can go to heaven. Maybe there's one here this morning. I don't know. But I'll tell you, you've got to be prayed through. And I do believe we've got godly people praying and seeking the Lord. It's in our government. But uh, we need to pray for them to have the strength in our state government, in our national government. We need the hand of God to lead, right? That's my message for the day. Now we're going to pray and dismiss you. Heavenly Father, as we prepare to go home today, I pray that you would lay your hand upon each one. And as we leave this room, if there is a need that we will not take a burden with us, but we'll leave it behind for the need. Lord, I pray that you would lay your hand upon every mother and daddy and every son and daughter. And God, go with us and let it be a peace a resolution that we have found with you to get our count settled, Lord. I pray go with us. Let it be a peaceful time this afternoon. Thank you for the beautiful sunshine that we're having and the perfect weather today. Bring us back tonight, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, go eat fried chicken and cream potatoes.